0: Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls.
2: Remember these words, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit.
1: Hey, crime creeps. Look, we're back. And guess what? Charity just walked in. Can I say this? She just like kicked the door open, walked in, and she did the ooh ooh, and she goes, "I'm ready to pound it out." I'm like, "What is going on?" <laughs> she here? loves
2: it when I say that, guys.
1: It just cracks me up. Yeah, because I'm never expecting it, and I should by now. I think because it's you're the face
2: this. I make, and then the thrusting activity.
1: Yes, it's definitely the it's thrusting. Very, it's
2: very twelve year boyish, twelve year old boyish.
1: You are so funny.
2: Guess what, Mark? What I have some um. Triple D's. We haven't had some triple D's in a while.
1: You're right. It has been a while. Yeah. Triple D. Triple, triple D's. Roll that triple D footage.
2: Oh, instead of that beautiful bean footage.
1: Right. Now I'm excited to
2: hear it. All right. So, Mark, if you were on the lam, where is the last place you would go to apply for a job?
1: Uh, Police department.
2: Anywhere related to the law. Yep, I agree. Well, 27-year-old Zima Johnson walked into Hudson County Sheriff's Office to apply for a job as a security guard. This go-getter must have forgotten that she was wanted for a crime she committed in Pennsylvania. Wowee. <laughs> you can imagine her delight when she got a call to go in for an interview. Zima eagerly sliced in the sheriff's office to be arrested on the spot by for fraud. Apparently, the sheriff's office did a background check. Isn't that strange? Why would they do that? Why would they do a background check?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Good question.
2: Uh, Anyway, they realized they had a criminal on their hands and set up the fake interview to catch her. They also found some stolen credit cards on her person, which added to her crimes. So she could have just like laid low, gotten a job, maybe, I mean, they do usually do background checks pretty much anywhere you go. But maybe she could get a job getting paid under the table or something. I don't get these people. I don't understand.
1: Well, we wouldn't have a segment if that's they didn't true. do this stuff.
2: I'm very glad people continue, are, continue to bring stupidity um, on they, a regular basis because it does help us. They,
1: they bring the dumb. That's for sure.
2: Here's an interesting one. Police in Hebron, Indiana, received more than one call on Wednesday from concerned citizens. A man was seen running on the side of the road. That's not the part that was concerning, though. Oh, boy. (laughs) The concerning part was that the running man was holding a beer and was in the nude.
1: He was in the what?
2: (laughs) The nude.
1: The way you say that cracks me up. That's why I had to say, like, the what?
2: (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it was a dare or he was hot or maybe he was just trying to burn off the beer calories. Hey, I, don't, I don't see it the is, big deal.
1: Yeah, I don't see what the big deal police is Police
2: were able to spot the man, but when he realized the police were following him, he quickly ran into a cornfield. The police searched for the man, even calling in the fire department and using drones to locate
1: him. I hope he didn't lose a cob.
2: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> to their dismay. <laughs> Woo, hello. <laughs> to their dismay, the naked exercising beer drinker escaped. All the manpower wasted. I don't know if this one is truly a triple D. I think this guy was just... I think this guy's like a hero. Yeah, like he totally got away with nude running while drinking a beer. (laughs) This next one happened in Seattle. One early morning, a little after midnight, police received calls from neighbors. After midnight. After midnight. midnight. We're going to let it all hang out. Oh, here he goes. The police received calls from neighbors saying they heard screams coming from inside a 24-hour car wash. They must have been worried that someone could be hurt or stuck when the police arrived.
1: Why does that always seem to happen, like, in these low-budget porn movies? Help, I'm
2: stuck in yeah. the dishwasher. <laughs> I can't get out. Help. I'm in the bathtub, and my toe is stuck in the fa- in the faucet.
1: And that's over, and I'm nude. Help. <laughs> I'm in the nude. <laughs> in my 43 years of life, and I've been in a lot of weird situations,
2: that has never happened. No. Come on. Oh, yeah, when you were like a fireman. or No, no,
1: I'm talking about, like, that kind of stuff. I've never been focused with one of these situations in oh. front of me. Not oh. focused, faced with. Like, I'm still hoping. Still I mean, half of my life it I could of
2: happen. Me. Help me. Help me. I'm a distressed right? nude person.
1: <laughs> Charity's trying to be appropriate now.
2: <laughs> when the police arrived, they found quite an interesting sight. Were th- what kind of site? Interesting site.
1: Interesting.
2: There were three 23-year-old men putting their clothes on. Yes, their clothes had been off. The three <laughs> men were clearly very drunk and decided it would be a good idea to go through the car wash. I guess they didn't want to get their clothes wet, hence the reason they took them off, <laughs> right? They didn't have a car, Mark, so they decided to use a shopping cart. So they loaded their nudeness into all the three 23-year-old nude men, which sounds exactly to me what 23-year-old drunk nude men would do, would load themselves into a, I call it a carriage, sorry, a cart, a shopping cart.
1: A buggy? A buggy. Go get yourself the buggy?
2: And went on through. (sighs) The three naked geniuses (laughs) hopped in the cart, paid for their wash, and off they went. Luckily for the men, the police decided to let them off with a warning. I mean, they paid for the wash after all. They're naked? All.
1: The police got them off with a warning?
2: Oh. They paid for the wash, though, Mark. Yes. So they didn't steal anything. No harm, no foul. Exactly.
1: There's a meme that's online. And people posted my other one. That, so I maybe this will be a new thing where Mark talks oh, about a meme he's seen. Oh, the one with the seen. mother. Yep. Yeah. Mark talks about a meme that he's seen, and people find it posted in the Case Watch Crime Creep Group. This one, it's a video. It's a video of two guys. You see them at a party. They go into this closed room that has obviously has a security camera in. Right. One of them bends over, pulls his pants down, and they look over and they see the camera. Then they stand up and they like high-five each other like, hey, cool. How's it going, buddy? And then they turn around and walk back out.
0: Oh, my God.
1: It's the funniest meme (laughs) I've ever seen. (laughs) Somebody Somebody will find it. The first person, I like giving away stuff. All right. The first person to post that meme in the Case Watch Crime Creep group will get an autographed Case Watch. True Crime Podcast sticker sent to you.
2: Oh, guys, he's going to make me spend five <sighs> hours signing stuff again. I, still have, s-
1: I still have I some signed oh, ones. Oh, okay. That is U.S. only, guys. I can't send them overseas.
2: Sorry. Tried. Oh, I, I know. You. All right. What would you do if you robbed a bank and were able to escape without being caught?
1: The first thing I would do is not go spend a bunch of money places so people like all of a sudden like, oh, Mark's got a bunch of money.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right. You try to stay under the radar.
1: I wouldn't tell anybody I I broke into a bank and robbed it.
2: Well, Randy Washington did just that. He successfully robbed a Chicago bank and got away with it. He probably felt a huge rush, untouched and on top of the world. He just had to tell someone, Mark. You never
1: tell anybody. DTA.
2: Well, he called a local radio station so he could brag on air about what he had just done. And uh, this, of course, led the police so right to him, and he was arrested for the robbery. Why? I don't know. Oh my
1: god! Stupid, stupid is As what stupid, stupid does. does. Yeah, this is unbelievable. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I' gonna do their charity. I'm gonna go and break into that there bank, and I'm gonna steal all the money, and then I'm gonna get away with it, and then I'm gonna go get my shopping buggy. Yep. And I'm gonna go to the store, and I'm gonna say, "I robbed all this money from yep. the bank. They didn't know I did it." Yep.
2: Oh, this next one's good. A California man named Claude Gibson Reynolds decided it would be an Ooh. amazing idea to steal a fire truck from the local fire station and take it on a joyride.
1: Claude. Claude. That is a name. I love that. That is Claude. a... Claude. Claude. I mean, it's no... Well,
2: this dude doesn't do this the name justice, just letting you oh, know. Oh,
1: boy. All right, I, I'll reserve my <laughs> judgment.
2: Well, clearly he didn't know how to drive the said fire truck because he ran it off the road and got it stuck in mud. Instead of leaving the truck and running off... Claude used the radio right there in the truck to call for a tow truck.
1: Breaker, breaker, one nine, breaker, <laughs> breaker, one nine. I got my fire truck stuck in the mud.
2: Unfortunately for him, the police came and arrested him on the spot. He later told police he wasn't thinking straight because of how drunk he was at the time. I mean, that's an honest mistake.
1: Right? Yeah. would I steal <laughs> fire trucks and I get them stuck in the mud, like I would
2: never call the cops on the radio. <laughs> From the radio inside the truck. Okay, so now I just have uh, to wrap up this this segment. I just have a few honorable mentions that I thought, you know what, I think I think we should just mention them. Here are a couple dumbasses that called the cops because um, of their fast food items. Again, I think of Mark with this, so I do get a little nervous sometimes.
1: I just was sitting there getting ready to look and say, <sighs> well, it all depends on how egregious See, these complaints I are. I
2: know. First, we have Donna Nichols. She ordered a hamburger at her local Hardee's. When she took her first bite, she was unimpressed and called 911, telling dispatchers she needed the police to come right away to remedy the situation. Um, she was really upset that her burger didn't taste the way it wanted. Do you think that was warranted, Mark? Of course it is. For the police to come, <laughs> wouldn't you just go back in and say, "Hey, this doesn't taste right. Can you maybe kind of get another one?" <laughs> I would think. Next, we have a man named Lorenzo Riggins. He must have been really hungry because he ordered seven McDoubles from his local McDonald's. When he got home, I I don't know how, seven McDoubles, that's a lot of food.
1: You've never lived.
2: Oh, okay. Sorry. When he got home and broke into (laughs) the bag of deliciousness, he realized he was one McDouble short. He only had six McDoubles, Mark. What
1: if you have seven kids?
2: I. What are you going oh, to say
1: to Becky, Joe, Sue, Bobby? Hey, I bought one for you, but they forgot it in the bag. Sorry, you starve.
2: He was so angry, he called the police so that they would go to the McDonald's and retrieve his missing McDouble. <laughs> I would love to be these dispatchers getting these calls. <laughs> I'm just going to leave you guys with this little gem. A man named Joshua Basso kept calling 911 until he reached a female dispatcher. Why did he do this, you ask? Um, to see if they would have phone sex with him, of course.
1: Is <laughs> she nothing wrong with it?
2: So super smart. Considering the dispatchers can see exactly where the calls are coming from. <laughs> I love these people. They're amazing.
1: We wouldn't have this great segment if it wasn't for them.
2: Oh, we it never gets
1: salute old. We you.
2: Oh. Oh. We have a, a, a quite a case today uh, about a woman who, well, let me just get into it. You want me just to get into it?
1: I do, because now I'm super excited because it's quite a case. Okay.
2: We're going to be talking about Marianne Cotton. Okay but her maiden name was Robson. So Marianne Robson was born on October 31st, 1832. This one's this one's from a long time ago, guys. In Lau What year did you say? 1832. In Low Morsley Lee Hole, County Durham, England. This was a very small in very small village in North England. Um can we take a moment to recognize the fact that Marianne was born on Halloween?
1: How, how, howly, how, 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 Maybe it's just
2: a coincidence. We will see as we move on, of course. She was born to parents Margaret Lonsdale and Michael Robson, a coal miner. Marianne's sister, Margaret, was born in 1834, but passed away when she was just a few months old. Her brother, Robert, was born in 1835. When she was eight years old, the family moved to the County Durham village of Merton. The Northern Echo is a daily newspaper in northeast England. The paper did an article on Marianne back in the day, and this is what her Wesleyan Sunday school had to say about her as a little girl. A most exemplary—you've uh, got to listen to the way this is worded. I, like, I need for people to talk like this all the time.
1: Oh, now I'm excited.
2: All right? I mean, it's England. So first off, they just sound so proper anyways. A most exemplary and regular attender a girl of innocent disposition and average intelligence, distinguished for her particularly clean and tidy appearance. <laughs> Guys. Guys. What's up? Oh, uh, Mark just belched into the microphone and then was like, and go. I can't. I'm right. a 12-year-old boy. I ain't going to start laughing.
1: We need to preface this. So I had a phone call come in, so I had to, we had to stop for a second so I could take a phone call. And I looked at Charity without even... Missing a beat, burped and said "go" and then hit record. And she's just like, "Wait!" And what? he knows
2: what happens to me when he does stuff like that.
1: That's why I like to do it. It's
2: fun. Anyways, it sounds like she was the perfect little student. Sadly, in February of eighteen forty-two, her father had a horrible accident, falling down a mine shaft to his death. Mining's dangerous, very, very dangerous, especially way back in the day like that. Oh yeah, tons of of people lost their lives from falling or oh god, it just scares me. Margaret would have had to move out of the mining village with her young children as it was a village for the families of the miners. So her mother, Margaret, was, like, really nervous because, you know, what am I going
0: to do? Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
2: Do with my children. Yeah. I'm only living here because my husband was a miner, And now if I don't marry another miner, I'm going to have to leave. It's been said that her mother was extremely depressed due to her husband's untimely death. That's understandable.
1: Imagine this for a minute, guys. Like, I, I got to soak this in your husband was killed doing his job i know and they are now gonna say goodbye get out of our community yep how is that even remotely acceptable
2: because they would have to fill his position and then a new family would have to move into that home sorry
1: guys uh, your your daddy's gone i know but uh go ahead and pack that bag up and throw it up over your shoulder and take off it's
2: just sad you know
1: what's sad what is hobos isn't much of a thing anymore. Do you remember growing oh, up?
2: Oh, with the stick, and, with the thing, stick yeah. and the thing on it.
1: Like, that was big time for me growing up. But,
2: like, well, it's kind of a, a, a TV thing. Yeah.
1: Do you know what else? Like, I've mentioned this on the show before quicksand. Quicksand. I thought quicksand yeah. was going to be a way bigger part of my life than it really is. I believe
2: I dressed as a hobo for Halloween more than once.
1: I'll have to see pictures. Yeah. If you have pictures, post it in the you Case just Watch put, Crime You group. just put
2: dirt on your face, and then you have a little stick, and then you put all your candy in the thing. Wait, wait the a stick. minute. Wait
1: a minute. I have dirt on my face and a little stick, I've been told. so.
2: Oh, well, that we'll have to talk about that off air. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, that's a different situation. That was a joke.
1: That was not true. That is a joke.
2: <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny we'd have to get Kristen on here to... To confirm or deny. But anyways, I'm going to continue on. We will we will move on from that subject. That was funny, though. <laughs> Made my day. I can only assume the depression might have affected how she parented. Maybe there were days she couldn't even get out of bed. Who knows? And on top of everything, Margaret had to worry about where she was going to live if she didn't marry again to, to another minor. So that's what she did in 1843. She married another minor named George Scott. Marianne despised her stepfather. <laughs> to say the the
1: least,
2: despised her stepfather. Some have said it was because he was very strict and handed out severe punishments. I read in a few places he would beat his stepchildren, but that's just speculation. I don't know if it's really true. I mean, this happened so long ago. Let me
1: go on my high horse again. Okay. These people who treat stepkids differently than their own kids, like they need to disappear from this world.
2: Yeah, I don't like that either. I have... Don't take on a stepchild if you're not going to treat it like a child. You're a child.
1: Kristen's kid is awesome.
2: Oh, he's awesome. We,
1: every Monday night, we watch Monday Night Raw together. Nice. And we sit and pick on Kristen the entire night. Oh. We have a blast doing it. It's all (laughs) in good fun. I'm sure. Like, I will say something and then like I'll see him, he'll side-eye me and giggle and then he'll know what I'm doing and then he'll egg right in with it. Like that's, that's awesome. the kind of relationship you should have. Absolutely. With anybody who's in your yep. life that is a child because those, now they come to you and laugh and giggle. Well, and, and the other stuff.
2: thing I would like to say is that he seems to feel very comfortable coming to you with issues that he might have. Oh, Even yeah. issues that he might want to talk to a, you know, a father about opposed to his mother.
1: Why would you make any part of the next part of our society harder for him I agree. I, I just agree. don't understand it.
2: Yep. Marianne wanted out as soon as she was 16 years old. She knew she'd have to get married and find a job. She moved out of the village into another village nearby in South Hetton. She began working as a nurse at Edward Potter's home. She did this for three years, working and making a living for herself. She must have got tired living alone, so she moved back home to her mother's house to be taught how to be a dressmaker. I'm sure her mother enjoyed having her back home as all her siblings had been sent away to boarding school. She was probably welcoming the company. So it sounds like the stepfather was like, bye-bye now. You guys, I don't even want to raise you. You're going off to a boarding school. Ta-ta for now. Yep. It was around this time she would meet a minor named William Mowbray, and the two quickly became an item. In 1852, when Marianne was 20 years old, she and William tied the knot at the register's office. No big wedding for them. The newlyweds then moved to Plymouth in southwest England to start their life together. It's been said that Marianne had given birth to four or five children. All of them supposedly died as babies due to gastric fever or stomach pains. Can you imagine? No. All four or five. Mm -hmm. Mysterious. And again, this was so long ago that... I've got whatever information that I could find. So there could yep. be some inconsistencies. Who knows? But I find this to be quite a coincidence. That many babies dead for such a generic reason.
1: Yeah, it's a quinky dink. That's for sure.
2: None of the babies' deaths were registered because at the time it wasn't legal to do so. They only had one child that was recorded. Her name was Margaret Jane, and she was born in 1856. William and Marianne decided to move back to northeast England and set up home. William was able to find work as a fireman and coal miner foreman. In 1858, they welcomed another daughter. Her name was Isabella. Two years later, their daughter, Margaret Jane, died. Hmm. Yeah. Another daughter named Margaret Jane was born in 1861. (laughs) And the same year, Marianne gave birth to a boy named John Robert William. I don't know what's with her with Margaret. You're going to see this throughout here. Uh, But little Robert, John Robert, died in 1863 from that darn old gastric fever all the other babies had died from. Yeah, something's
1: not adding up here for me.
2: In a shocking twist, William died suddenly in 1865. Guess what he died from?
1: I wouldn't say gastric fever, would it be?
2: No, it was intestinal disorder, which is the same thing. No one found this to be weird. All the children and now the husband dying from the very same things. I I don't get this.
1: It's weird to me because, like, I see these people on my Facebook that always have puppies and kittens but never have full-grown animals. Yeah. It's really weird.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: like, maybe this is what this chick's up to.
2: Maybe. What p- could possibly be the common denominator?
1: Uh, It would not be her.
2: Oh, and you bet your buttocks that Marianne collected insurance money for her husband's death and for her son's death.
1: Unbelievable.
2: Sounds like as she went along, she evolved and figured if she was going to kill her family, she should at least make some money from them.
1: Because they're such an inconvenience. I need to be paid.
2: At the time, the money she received was equal to half a year of her husband's salary. She got a little more than that due to cashing in on her son as well. So at this point, Marianne only had two daughters left alive. Isabella and daughter Margaret Jane. The lucky Margaret that survived for some reason.
1: I can see it now. Mama wants a new TV, so either you behave
2: Oh, I can't even... I can't even... Right? This is horrible. Oh, Mark, it gets worse. Not long after her first husband, William's death, Marianne went on the prowl for a new husband. She decided she needed a change of scenery. Maybe she was afraid peeps were going to start catching on to what she was doing. I don't know why. She moved to Seaham Harbor, County Durham. She met a man named Joseph Natras and got her freak on... Wait, Nattress
1: or Mattress? Nattress. Oh, that would have been so much better if it was Mattress. The lady that could not stop spitting out kids, but there's a guy named Mattress. That would have been perfect.
2: Yep. Around this time, the second Margaret Jane, just three at the time, died from typhus fever, which is a stomach thing. I wonder uh, if this was an actual legit death. I'm going to say no. Anyway, Isabel was her only living child out of nine or so. Others that had almost or all died mysteriously. She was done with getting her freak on with Joseph and moved back to Sunderland and started working at Sunderland Infirmary. I guess she had enjoyed being a nurse when she was younger. But instead of murdering her only living child, Isabella, she sent her to live with her mother. Thank goodness for this little gal. Good thing she didn't realize how close she might have been to being killed by her very own mother. Unbelievable. While working, Marianne met a patient named George Ward.
1: Run, George, run! She
2: took an immediately immediate liking to him, and His apparently, bank apparently, the feelings were mutual because the two got married on August twenty fifth, eighteen sixty five. <laughs> First, let's talk about how lucky Joseph was. Man, oh man, he is lucky. She didn't like him enough to marry him. So, uh, as you would say, Mark, she must have had a magic. Meow, if you catch my drift. Meow. That button's (laughs) always at the ready. she didn't waste any time moving from man to man.
1: (laughs) My kind of girl.
2: George's health wasn't very good when the two had met, and it only got worse. He suffered paralysis and intestinal issues for over 10 years, finally passing away on October 20th, 1866. So she stayed with him for over 10 years, though. That was quite the track record.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty proud of her.
2: Um... There is the mention of the intestinal problems again on George's death certificate. It says his cause of death was English cholera, which is any type of stomach issues with diarrhea. So all these different, they're naming it different things, but it's, it's all. I think it's
1: cholera. Oh, cholera. And then we learn that in the Oregon Trail.
2: All right. Can we take, go back and take it out?
1: <laughs> no, because you said <laughs> it the entire podcast. <laughs>
2: Sorry, guys.
1: (laughs) This is why we love charity.
2: (laughs) It was also stated that he died from typhoid fever or typhoid, a disease caused by typhi bacteria, again affecting the intestines.
1: Once again, another one we learned from Oregon Trail.
2: Yeah. George's doctor at the time acknowledged that he had been ill, but he also said he had been shocked that he passed away so suddenly. Almost like he was moving along fine, dealing with being ill until, bam, he was dead. I wish that doctor had listened to his gut and looked more into it. Right. But that's because we have hindsight.
1: It is 2020.
2: <laughs> I have hindsight after after researching this nasty little lady. And 100 years later. that True that. <laughs> Marianne didn't seem to break up over her husband of 11 years' death. She was happy to cash in on his insurance money. Ah, moving on. Single and ready to mingle once again. Marianne met James Robinson. James was a shipbuilder. His wife had died not too long before he met Marianne. He hired her to clean his house since the woman of the house had passed. This was only a month after George's death.
1: That's when she went, have you seen my magic? Meow.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're
1: going to end up in a case that's like. Yep. But it's going to be worth it.
2: Mm hmm. That is so nice of her to lend a helping hand to a sad widow. Only a month into working for James, something horrible happened. It's very shocking. Not predictable at all. Oh, no. James's... he hit ba- by a car? James's baby son, John, died suddenly of, <gasps> guess what? Gastric fever. That darn gastric fever keeps coming back. Colerious? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> that didn't take long. This woman is truly a monster, and I can't believe no one had caught on yet. How are this many people dying of essentially the same thing? Marianne is the only link to all these deaths. Sweet Marianne was quick to step into, you know, comfort James over his little baby son's death. I can only imagine how distraught he was. Losing his wife must have been hard enough. I can't even think about how broken he must have been after losing his baby. Marianne took advantage of this poor man's emotions, and we'll see this moving forward. This is like her part of her mo. Scumbag. Comfort turned into a relationship, and before they knew it, the new couple would find out they were expecting a baby together.
1: Just so everybody knows, Cherry did that. Uh, that <laughs> head head bob thing side to side. I'm like, oh my god, I can't do that. My muscles in my neck do not do that. I can't. I just look like um yeah, like there's a tree breaking. <laughs>
2: I feel like this was probably the worst scenario that could have taken place. Around the same time Marianne found out she was pregnant with James's baby, she found out that her mother had become very sick with hepatitis. Very sick. Uh-oh. The crazy woman went back home to help nurse her her mother back to health. What an amazing daughter, right? Like, that's so nice of her.
1: I hope she doesn't die of cholera.
2: Leave me alone. <laughs> Marianne stayed with her mother, who seemed to be getting much better. It must have been because of her care.
1: Must have been love. Yep.
2: But it's i I'm not going to sing. Although her mother was feeling better from the hepatitis, (laughs) as the days went on, she had a new symptom. Apparently, she started having bowel problems and severe stomach pains. Here we go again, folks.
1: I do know that feeling. Yep.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Marianne's mother died just nine days into her stay.
1: Oh, man. She was
2: only 54 years old at the time of her death.
1: I thought she was doing better, they said, though. She
2: was. But then she got those weird stomach pains. Remember Marianne's daughter, Isabella Mowbray, the one that she sent to live with her mother? The one we were thinking avoided death at her mother's hands? Yes. Well, with her grandmother dead, she was forced to go uh, to James' house and live with her mother. To live happily ever after with her new father and her new sibling on the way. Should we uh,
1: take a bet right now to see how long she's going to live?
2: Yep. Poor Isabella, along with two of James's other children, Elizabeth and James, started complaining of stomach pains and died. Unbelievable. She just won't stop. What? Like, I want to know what kind of pleasure could she possibly have been getting out of the killing of these children. I don't understand. And then why? Why would anyone do anything like this? All three of the children were laid to rest in May of 1867. Guys, this all happened within weeks of her mother's death. Don't worry, Marianne will be just fine as she cashed in on Isabella's life insurance that she set up, of course. Just three months after the children were buried, on August 11th, 1867, Marianne and James got married. In November of that same year, the couple's first child, Margaret, was born. Again with the name. What's with the name, Margaret?
1: (laughs) Just keeps replacing it.
2: Seriously. Seriously. It's sad. Just three months after she was born in February of 1868, Little Margaret would get, quote, unquote, sick and die. Don't worry. She had another bun in the oven in no time. The couple's second child, George, was born June 18th, 1869. She kills a husband. She replaces them. She kills a child. She replaces them. Is this all for attention or the thrill of getting away with it? I just don't understand. It's sickening. James started to wonder why his wife wanted him to take out a life insurance policy so badly on him. She couldn't give him a good reason why. At the time, he realized- Tell me why.
1: (laughs) Sorry, I had to. I've been trying to work that in for like three weeks.
2: At the same time, he realized she had put them into severe debt, even taking money that was given to her by her husband to put in the bank. The last straw for James was when he discovered that Marianne was making his older children take items from the house and sell them. Okay, so is money solely the motivation for this evil woman? I don't know. James had had it and threw Marianne out of the house, probably realizing how horrible she really was. He insisted on keeping their son George with him. This was the best decision James could have made for his family. So thank God he realized. It seemed as if Marianne hit rock bottom. She had no money and nowhere to go. She was homeless, living on the streets until her friend Margaret Cotton stepped in. I bet she felt sorry for her. Margaret introduced her to her brother, Frederick, a hardworking man whose wife had recently died. Oh, boy. Run, run. Frederick was living in Wallbottle, Northumberland Northumberland at the time. He had originally had four children, but two of them had died, leaving him with two. I wonder Frederick, what they died of. Well, no, this is before her, so Frederick Jr. and Charles. Margaret his sister had become the mother figure for her brother's remaining children. So he put, she was probably like looking for him to get remarried and have somebody come in and take on the mother role and didn't know Marianne from a hole in the wall. Run. I know this must've been a dream for Marianne when she heard this though. Think about it, right? Another man she could take advantage of. Uh, Here's another little twist. Oh boy. Margaret died soon after Marianne met her brother Frederick in March of 1870. The reason for her death was said to be stomach-related. Very interesting, if you ask me.
1: I hope. I I don't— People ask me. I actually had somebody ask me this this weekend, who says, do you really know what Charity's going to talk about? I Mm -mm. don't. Nope. And I did say that to him, and I was like, I really don't. He doesn't. If we get done with this podcast, and I don't find out how she poisoned all these people— I'm going to take this laptop and it's going to go through that window.
2: Oh, as long as you don't throw it towards me, I'm fine. Okay. (laughs) Carry (laughs) on now. Once again, Marianne stepped up and was there for Frederick, easing, easing the pain from the loss of his sister. I bet she did ease that pain. Meow. Yeah, that thing must have been like, I don't even know.
1: They were walking out (laughs) at this point.
2: I don't know. She was still getting these dudes. Hot dog in a hallway, guys. Hot dog in a hallway. In in fact, Mark, she consoled him so well, she got pregnant with her 12th child. The two got married on September 17th, 1870, even though Marianne was still legally married to to her third husband. It don't matter. The couple's first child together, Robert, was born in the beginning of 1871. Poor baby. He had no idea what kind of monster his mother was. Remember the first dude that Marianne did the brown chicken, brown cow with after... Sure do. um, After her first husband died? Yep. Joseph Natras was his name. I did like his name. He must have been unforgettable because when Marianne found out he was living fairly close by, by, she knew she needed him back in her life or in her undies. (laughs) (laughs) Joseph no longer married... Was no longer married. So in Marianne's eyes, he was fair game. Guess she didn't care about her marriage because she started a heated affair with him. She successfully convinced her new husband to up and move their entire family to West Auckland where Joseph lived so she could have the convenience of being closer to her lover.
1: I don't think her caring for people has much to do with what they want in life. God, no. <laughs> So it's convenient for her.
2: I would assume Marianne thought she had it all. A stable living situation, a husband, a home, children, and a lover. Well, it must not have been enough for her because in December of 1871, her fourth husband, Frederick, died. His death was labeled as gastric fever.
1: (gasps) You don't say. Come
2: on, people. How is this still happening?
1: At this point now, like, I'm just shaking my my head. Here's
2: my thing. I know it was back in the day, right? It was a long time ago. But didn't people gossip? Didn't rumors spread? If they
1: didn't, I wouldn't want to be alive at that point. Like,
2: I'm sure people were talking.
1: Gossip was like my, is my favorite
2: thing. But Marianne didn't have to go back to living on the streets because she made sure to take out a hefty insurance policy on Frederick and his children. Joseph moved right in shortly after Frederick's death. So he like the bed wasn't even cold. <laughs> and she was like, Come on in.
1: She jumps in and like it's probably like an old straw bed. And he's like, But it's still got his imprint in the in the, in oh, well, the bed. It's fine. Don't worry, I'm gonna pull out my magic meow well, and take care of it.
2: Maybe Joseph was just being helpful, right? So he moved in.
1: Yeah. Got help help with that old lady.
2: Yeah. Mary Ann got a job working for a man that some believe was named John, but it's not known for sure. John was afflicted by smallpox and hired the crazy ass woman as his nurse. John must have been easy on the eyes because Mary Ann just couldn't resist him. And the two soon became lovers, even though she already had a lover living in her house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making light of this, but oh, my God, these this men just are just shaking my head. At it's this. just so she she so easily just got them on board. If you catch my drift.
1: I've said this before and I've said it to Kristen and she kind of looks at me like I have 10 heads and I don't mean to be chauvinistic or any of that kind of stuff. Women have that sort of stuff way easier than guys. Mm. I don't care what any woman looks like. Any. They could be. They could look like sloth. <laughs> if they walked Aww. into a bar and said, "Hey,
0: you guys, I want to go home
1: tonight. And get some action, there would be one person in that bar would take him up on the offer. Well, maybe. If a guy walks into a bar and says, hey, who wants to get in these pants tonight? (laughs) It ain't happening. (laughs) It's not happening.
2: We'll have to take a poll about that. It's very true. Um, Anyway, so she got pregnant by him with her 13th child. In March of 1872, her stepson, Frederick Jr., died. And then her baby, Robert, died. Stupid Joseph had agreed to change his will, stating that everything should go to Marianne. Right after the will was changed, Joseph died of gastric fever.
1: That was a bad decision, Joseph.
2: She collected the insurance money um, and got everything of Joseph's. A man named Thomas Riley heard that Marianne was a nurse and asked her if she would help care for a sick woman with smallpox. And she agreed. You know the saying, loose lips sink ships? (laughs) Yep. Marianne's lips uh, what got her in trouble? And I'm not going to say it. Nope. Don't the, even. Wait, don't. Wait. don't well, do on, it. On. Don't These do ones. it.
1: Those ones right there. Both. <laughs> okay.
2: Remember Charles, the surviving child of Frederick. Hmm. Well, Marianne told Thomas that he was in the in the way and asked if he could get if he could help to place him in a workhouse. Simply stated, a workhouse is a place to stay where you work off your living expenses. So instead of getting paid, you're allowed to live there. Thomas was Auckland's assistant coroner. He was a smart man. Big mistake to talk to him like that. He told Marianne that she would have to be the one to go with her stepson, and she didn't like hearing that. She then told him that Charles was sickly, probably thinking she was setting the scene for when he died. She then said, I won't be troubled long. He'll go like all the rest of the cottons. What an idiot, or as our crime creep Sharna Jacobs shared with me, she is a douche goblin. Don't you like that? I kind of like that. I really like that. That's a good one, Sharna. Just five days after that conversation, Marianne told Thomas that Charles had died. Thomas was more than suspicious after the conversation he had had with Marianne five days earlier and went to the police. He told them what he knew and was able to convince them not to sign the death certificate until the true cause of the boy's death was known. Marianne was happy to head right to the insurance office to get Charles's insurance money that she believed she was owed. You know, for being such an amazing step-in mother. Of course. She was shocked when she was told she couldn't have the money until the death certificate was signed. Unfortunately, it was decided that the boy did die of natural causes. Marianne said she had treated um, his bad belly by giving him arrowroot. And that's probably what they might find if they like, looked for anything. She then claimed that the only reason Thomas made things difficult was because he hit on her and she turned him down.
1: (laughs) I don't think she turns down anybody.
2: I don't either. The local newspaper had reported on the story and decided to look into Marianne's history. You know, just for sharts and giggles.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's great.
2: Let's discuss the information that was found, shall we? Marianne had bounced around England. She had three husbands, um, a live-in lover her mother, a friend, and 11 children, all of them losing their lives to stomach issues. It was probably just a coincidence, though. With this information, it was decided that an actual investigation into Charles's death um, would be taking place, thank goodness. Dr. William Byers Kilburn was the doctor that tried to get Charles well before he passed. Luckily, he had kept some of the samples he took from the boy, and when he tested them, guess what he found? Dun, just guess. Dun, dun. Guess what do you think it is? I don't know. Arsenic. Oh. He told the police and Marianne was arrested ASAP. Charles's body was exhumed and a full autopsy was conducted confirming the nature of his death. Marianne's trial had to be postponed until after the birth of her 13th child on January 7th, 1873. Just walking right out of there. Once again, she named the baby Margaret. The full name was Margaret Edith Quick Manning Cotton. (laughs) Quick is the last name thought to be of the baby's father. Oh, well, that's an interesting last name. Quick Cotton, Quick Cotton. (laughs) The trial began March 5th, 1873. The attorney general at the time was Sir John Duke Coleridge. Oh, I like that. He's a sir. He chose his friend Charles Russell to lead the prosecution. Thomas Campbell was the head of defense and tried to say the boy, that maybe the boy breathed in the arsenic from the wallpaper at his home. He then, which is stupid because wouldn't the other people that live there? Come on now. He then argued that maybe arsenic powder was used accidentally in treating Charles, saying it could have been sitting next to the bismuth powder used to help with diarrhea. Yeah, you'd always stick arsenic right next to the bismuth powder.
1: That's where I keep mine.
2: I mean, yeah. Yeah. And they're not labeled. Why would you label them?
1: Nope. I I just keep mine right next to it.
2: (laughs) None of these scenarios helped Marianne and the jury just didn't buy it. They were only gone for 90 minutes, returning with a guilty verdict. Marianne was sentenced to death by hanging. Oh, I love it. Yep. She was hung in Durham, Gole, England on March 24th, 1873. It's been said she didn't die from a broken neck, which would have been quick. Apparently, um, the rope was too short. So she died of a much more horrific death of strangulation. So, yeah, she suffered. Some say this was done purposefully to make her suffer for all the deaths she caused. I don't feel bad. Nope. Not one bit. She caused about 21 deaths that are known, 12 of which were her own children and her own mother and three of her husbands. Which
1: I is beyond me.
2: I can't even believe that. The only two of her children that evaded her evilness were Margaret Edith and her son George. So it was the 13th child and the one that um, James, George's father, realized Marianne was dangerous and kept him away from her.
1: It's so sad.
2: She has been called um, the Black Widow, like other female serial co- killers. But this is an. In- I'm going to end this with this interesting fact. She is thought to be England's first serial killer known. Really, I mean, who knows? But man, oh man, that Those is are some just- numbers. Those and they're most of them were all hers. Like her babies.
1: the part that I could never understand.
2: Or little girls or little boys. Like it wasn't just babies. I just, I, oh my gosh. It's sickening. This really, I, oh, I don't even know how I found this one, but this, I hadn't heard of her before.
1: I, well, to be honest, I don't hear most of these people before.
2: But man, she was just, yikes. She is a
1: beyond, And she was said,
2: it was said that she wore, let me show you a picture of her real quick, Mark, before we.
1: Hmm. I don't think, no matter how good her uh, meow, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole.
2: I don't know. There was something about her, and she she was said to always wear, like, a long skirt. Like, that was her look. She wore, like, a long skirt. I don't get it. And she, maybe for easy access. I don't know.
1: Just in case one of the kids just wanted to fall out and walk out.
2: Or she just needed to get her freak on. She could just lift that skirt up and go to town.
1: Well, I think there's no better way to end the episode than that right there.
2: Those poor kids and those poor, I felt bad for those guys, especially the ones she took advantage of. Oh, 100%. Because they were sad. And and like back then, when you lose a a wife or a husband, you you want another one. Like that's, uh, you know, back then, men went off to work, women took care of the house, the kids gave birth. And yeah, she was a nasty one, guys. Well, thank
1: you for bringing another wonderful case to us again.
2: You're welcome, Mark. It was my pleasure. Yay.
1: All right, guys, we'll see you on the next one.
0: Bye, guys.